0: You are listening to audio from the Creek Church. If you would like more information about the Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing this morning? Good. It's the morning. This is the godly, holy, most anointed people. You guys woke up early. I'm so excited you're here. Y'all got coffee. You're excited, ready to go. And if you're not, I'm just gonna keep talking louder and louder and use more excitement and hand motions to get you, you know, up and er Okay, here we go. Now, so excited to be with you guys this morning. Thanks for watching that video. Uh, My name is Jared Lyons. We're planting Zeo Church in Austin, um, and uh, we're just so excited. I won't go into too much detail because you just saw the video, but that's us. That's who we are. That's what we're doing. Uh, So honored to be a part of uh, the creek here. Uh, Man, I just want to honor Pastor Matt and Pastor Heather uh, so, so we go way back with them now. Uh, pastor Matt was my wife's youth pastor, and uh, so, so she got to be really close to him. My wife and I started dating in college, and uh, and and she said, "You got to meet my youth pastor." So I come and meet meet Matt, and how many of y'all know Matt is just so chill, so cool, you know? So uh, it was it was he was just a friend. He was like champion uh, us and in, in our relationship, and. And uh, he, uh, through some time, he offered me an internship to come work for him. So I really got my first start in ministry through him. Uh, he, he, I was an intern for him for a long time. He, he really taught me how to run ministry and to preach and, and do different things. So if I'm terrible today, you can just blame Pastor Matt, all right? Uh, but he, he went on to marry us, marry my wife and I, and uh, so he's just a dear, dear friend of ours, and we love him so much, and so when we felt the call to plant a church, I, I, Matt was one of my first phone calls and told him, man, we're doing this, and he said, let's meet up. How can I help? I'll do anything I can, uh, and so that's why you'll be seeing me around a little bit, and uh, we're so excited and honored to do so, um, so we're just excited to be here. Uh, I'm traveling with my boy Johnny here. Johnny is uh, one of my best friends, and he's going to serve as our executive pastor and worship pastor, so we'll be around a bunch. We're going to start going to the staff meetings and, and just kind of plugging into the family here. Um, so real quick, my family, you saw them in the video, uh, but this is my, my crew right here. Uh, I got two uh, girls, and then I finally got my son. Uh, so I'm the weird one. People are always like, you know, you finally got your son, yeah. And I'm like, I wanted four girls. So, I mean, I I embrace my son. Now I'm getting more and more excited, but man, look at those two girls. I want two more of those, you know? Like, they're so cute. I'm loving it. I'm loving life. Uh, We're all excited to move uh, to Austin and, and be a part of what God's doing there. But, well, um, so we have been uh, in a series here in, in the book of Luke, and we're looking at parables. And I say we because I've been, I've been following online and, and just kind of joining the series and uh, you see, the, the Greek word for parable is actually parabole, okay? Parabole, it sounds French, doesn't it? Uh, it, it actually means to cast alongside. So, so picture this, Jesus is walking with, with his disciples and he's teaching them about life and teaching them life lessons and he just takes the opportunity to cast alongside a parable, cast alongside a story to relate to that truth that he's trying to share with them. He shares a story to communicate a truth. So parabole. parable. And uh, today, my assignment is to teach in Luke 15. It's the lost gospels, not lost as in they're lost from Scripture, the lost parables, not like the lost gospels where they're they're lost away from Scripture or we can't find them anymore. Uh, This is just some parables that have to deal with being lost, all right, being lost. We're going to look at the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son, And uh, the prodigal son was lost, as we all know, and we're gonna look into that story today. Uh, But let me tell you what I believe uh, to be true about these uh, parables. These parables, um, they, they are God's heart for those that fall away from God, that lose themselves and are lost from God. This isn't, my belief, this isn't about lost people, lost people who never have been to the Lord, never have experienced Jesus. This is about people who, at a time, we're walking with God and through one circumstance or another, through a life choice, of decision, they fall away from God and they essentially lose themselves. And they're lost from God, they're apart from God. And these parables are about those people who are lost from God, but then God finding them and reconciling them back to himself. That's what these parables really are about. And we should be thankful today that God doesn't, when we are lost, when we are from, from, far from God, God doesn't say, man, it was a good 10 years. We had a good run, buddy. Now just enjoy your path to hell, you know? Uh, he, he says, man, I, 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 it's killing me that you are far from me. And I, my job is to, to, to pursue you. And that's the kind of God that we serve, a God who doesn't sit idly by and just watch us fall away, but he's constantly pursuing us and coming towards us. That's the God we serve. So being lost, I'm sure... I'm sure you uh, have been lost at one point in time or another in your life, and uh, probably not as you're, as you're an adult, because you don't really get lost as you're adults. I, I, I enjoy being lost as an adult. You're like, finally, a break from the kids? You know, like, I'm gonna go see a movie or something. You know, like, I'm lost. But, uh, but you might have to kind of go back to when you were a kid, okay? Think about a time that you were lost, uh, I, I was the kind of guy that like, I don't know why, but I would always get separated from my parents in the grocery store. And my mom like, would always make a joke. They'd always be like, uh, Cindy Lyons, your son is uh, up at the front. You lost him in the meat aisle. You know, it's like, and so, so I would always get lost and uh, I remember one, one story specifically. I, I think i 'm scarred by it to be honest, and uh, I probably need some counseling, but um, so, so my dad and I uh, went to the Social Security office when I was around ten years old, and uh, I had to get another social security card uh, for whatever reason. And, and how many of y'all know anytime you go to like a, a, a federal uh, DMV or Social Security, you just love to wait in the lines, right it's just you just know it 's going to be a good day. you know I get to go to the DMV today it 's just a good day. And so uh, we, we go, and we, we, we're expecting to wait in a long line. We, like, pack some snacks, you know, like, we're gonna be there a while, and um, so my dad and I get in line, and, and uh, we're in line for about 30 minutes or so, and uh, and my dad's like, Jared, I forgot something in the car. Uh, I'll, I'll be right back. I need to get it, and I'm like, okay, Dad, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a man here, 10 years old. I'm, I'm gonna stay in line and hold down the spot. We've been here for a while. We don't wanna lose our spot in line, so I... I wait in line, and the way the line was set up is there's a big window here, and so I can see my dad leave and go out to the car, and I can see the car. So I'm sitting in line, watching this all go down, and I'm watching my dad. He gets in the car, and then my dad drives away. (laughs) Wait, dad. So I jump out of line, and I kind of run outside, and I'm like, he forgot me. What did I do? You know, like, he's he's disowning me, like, you know, like, what, what just happened? And so I kind of panic, and I run up to a security guard. Security guard obviously loved his job, okay? He was, he, was, he was doing so good just chilling in the corner. So I go over to the security guard and say, sir, I am lost. I am lost. Please help me. And uh, again, he was just an excellent security guard. And he was like, what do you want me to do about it? Like, buddy, I don't know. You're the one with the badge. Like, you tell me, you know? And, and so he so gives me like a quarter, says, Go, go use a phone. Uh, very kind of him. And, and I, I call my, my mom, and uh, about that time, about 10 minutes later, my dad drives up. And I'm like, Dad, what happened? Well, it turns out that he, he had to go like make a copy of some paperwork he had to show and he just didn't think to tell me. Uh, and so he drove over to the grocery store to make a copy. I, I don't know, it was, it was a bad parenting moment. We all have them, right? Um, and, and he was with me in service last night and I'm like, don't look at him, don't judge him. He's a great dad. Uh, but, but it was, maybe it wasn't his best moment. Uh, but but he, here's, what, here's what I wanna pull away from that story. Now, though I was lost for a moment, I was still his son. Even though we were apart for a moment, he was still my dad. As we journey on in our faith, there will be times where we will get lost. That circumstances, addictions, sin will pull us away from our father, but it doesn't change our identity. We will continue to be God's son and God's daughter, even if we are lost for a moment. And here's what I know to be true is that we all could be a prodigal son or daughter at some point in time. But the good news is we'll always be God's child. So if you're taking notes today, I'm gonna title this message, Lost and Found. Lost and Found, let's pray. God, thank you for this this day, this morning. Thank you for what you wanna speak to our hearts, God. We're open, we're ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, so Luke 15, Luke 15 ends with the prodigal son, but uh, there's two little parables in there that I wanna hit on briefly. Uh, That's the the lost sheep and the lost coin. Now, all three of these stories are in response to, uh, at the very beginning of Luke 15, these tax collectors are trying to trap Jesus and ridicule him for hanging out with sinners, and so this is, the three stories are in response to the tax collectors giving Jesus a hard time about hanging out with sinners. But that's what I love about Jesus. Jesus didn't just say, bless you, sinners. He didn't just say, I hope you come around and I hope to know you someday. He, he actually went and not only talked to them, but he would have meals with them and do life with them and, and literally would love them to himself. And I believe that's what we're supposed to do as the church, we're not just supposed to sit idly by and, and judge sinners because how many of y'all know that never works? <laughs> the, the people who are far from God don't like it when Christians judge them. Uh, instead, they like it when you kind of get into their life and love on them and, and ask them how they're doing and how you can help and be a part of what they're doing. And you actually become a part of what God's doing in loving them back to Jesus. Uh, and that's what, that's what Jesus did. He's our example. So let's look at these two. Uh, The first one is the lost sheep. We'll go ahead and read it here, Luke 15, uh, verse four. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost, Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. If you're struggling today, if you're feeling far from God today, take comfort in the fact that the kind of God that we serve, he's not the one that just stays with the people that love him the most, but instead he's willing to see us who are falling far from God, he's watching us. He sees us fall from God and he says, I'll be right back. And he goes after us that are falling and far from God to bring them back into the fold. God's not just only consumed with those who are loving and praying and worshiping and praising him. He's, con- he's concerned about the other ones, the ones that are falling far from God. That's the kind of God we serve. So that's, that's the lost sheep. The lost coin is this. Let's go and read it. It's verse eight. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I have lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What I love about this parable is that Jesus is comparing us, the people of God, to precious silver coins. Think about that. God didn't use an analogy like apples. Let's say apples. That A lady had a a thing of apples, and and one bad apple fell away, and she she searched the house trying to find that one bad apple. No, he, he compared us to precious silver coins to say that we are actually worth something. I know a lot of people don't think they're worth anything. And they would compare themselves to a bad apple or the odd one out. But that's not how God sees you. God sees you as a precious silver coin and God is willing to turn the house upside down just to find you. He's willing to turn this world upside down just to locate you and bring you back in to the family. So that's the two, that I, the two that we just hit that I, I kind of feel like the Lord is speaking to me about when I was reading through it, and, and, and I get it. Something's lost, then the owner goes and he finds it, then he throws a party to tell the world. That's kind of how these two have, have uh, developed here. But in reading that, I think about it and, and think to myself, what about those of us who lose ourselves? Because, because a, a coin can't really lose itself, it just gets misplaced. And a, a sheep, sheep are dumb, they're stupid, you know, I don't know if any ranchers here, you know, uh, sheep just kind of do their own thing, right? And so, kind of just, just got lost, the, the shepherd forgot about it, misplaced it, and the, and the sheep goes off. But what about for those of us who have a conscience and who can make a decision, what if we lose ourselves, what if, what if we're the ones that walked away from God? What if if we're the ones that made a conscious decision and said, I'm choosing this over God? Will God still come after me? Is there still hope for me? And that's why I think Jesus tied in the, the prodigal son here because it's a different story than the other two. So let's spend the rest of our time here talking about the prodigal son Prodigal son, if you look at its title, the prodigal son right there in Luke 15, but I think it could also be considered the loving father, because this story emphasizes the love of the father more than it emphasizes the sin of the son. It talks a great deal about the father's love, the father's love, and and just to take a moment here, it's always about the father's love. It's always about God's love. It's not about our sin. You see, freedom, if you want to experience freedom, it's not the absence of something. It's the presence of someone. And so if you think about that, when we experience freedom, it's not because we focused on our sin. It's because we focused on God. So many people wanna experience freedom in their life and they're stuck in some kind of circle. They're stuck in some sort of addiction, some sort of sin. And so what they do is they say, okay, I gotta stop doing this. Okay, Jared, stop doing this. Jared, you need to stop doing this. Well, if all I'm thinking about is sinning, what am I gonna continue doing? Sinning. The key to freedom is to stop talking and thinking and focusing on your sin and start focusing on God start focusing on Jesus, start focusing on the cross, getting involved in church and worshiping God, well, now my focus is on God and not the sin. That's where freedom comes from. So the last two parables, the shepherd and the woman, they go after that which is lost, but check this out. This is what I love about the prodigal son. It's the memory of his father's goodness that brings the boy to repentance. If you take the Greek word of prodigal and you look it up in the Webster's Dictionary, it's actually defined as lacking restraint, lacking restraint. I think all of us can resonate with that. There's probably an area in our life where we lack restraint, where we're a little bit of a prodigal son or daughter. And I think the Lord wants to bring attention to that area today. So let's look at three points here. Three, three, this is three experiences that the son had. The first one is rebellion. Take a note today. The first one is Rebellion. It says that he went to the far country. Let's read it, Luke 15, 11. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into the far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country and he had begun to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. So I think Pastor Matt said this last week. But it's actually Jewish law for the eldest son to receive twice the inheritance as the other kids. That was the Jewish law. And it was perfectly legal. It was perfectly right for a son to ask for his inheritance, but it wasn't nice. It wasn't a kind gesture because it would be as if the son said to the dad, dad, I wish you were dead. Give me that which is mine. Here's the problem with that. We have a problem when we value possessions over people. And that's what the son did. He valued that which he was receiving instead of that that who loved him. And the prodigal son learned the hard way that you cannot enjoy the things that money can buy if you ignore the things that money cannot buy. You see, the far country, it says the far country, it's not necessarily a place that we must travel to because I believe the far country first becomes a place in our hearts. It first becomes a, a thing that we dream about and a thing that we fantasize about. I think we do that. I think we let our hearts go there. We let our hearts dream and envy and covet and lust after. But here's the deal, if we let our hearts dwell in that place, our feet are soon to follow your heart always goes first. So the boy, he lives it up, as we just read, but what goes up, come on, people, must come down, right? And sin does that to us. It promises something that it cannot fulfill. If you haven't figured out yet, sin is a liar. Satan is, is, is a huge, the, the, the Bible actually talks about him being the king of liars. He, he's the utmost liar. He's, he's the best of the best. What I love about scriptures, it kind of warns us about it. John 8, 34, you see, sin promises freedom, but it brings slavery. It promises success, but it brings failure. Another one, John six twenty three. sin promises life. It promises that if you follow down this path, you will enjoy life. But John 6, 23 says the wages of sin isn't life, it's death. So it promises you life, but it only brings you death. So the boy boy finds himself empty and lied to and hurting and broke. He had no money. And he began to dream. He thought to himself, I remember watching the slaves at my father's property feed the pigs. And he started to dream about, man, what it would be like to be back home with his father he started to dream and go to that place. And, and I found myself, I, personally, if, if, when I was in a place of sin, you almost dream about being back in church. If you're at a place far from God, more than likely, you wonder, God, are you still out there? God, do you still love me? God, do you still have a plan and a purpose for my life? Man, I wish I could go back to church. Man, I wish I can go back to that small group. It was just so good when I wasn't entrapped by this sin. And that's what this boy was doing. He was dreaming about life of freedom while he was stuck in slavery. So that's where the boy found himself, rebellion. That's the first point. Here's the second point, repentance. This He came to himself. Let's read it, verse 17. But when he came to himself, He said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and I will go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Just treat me as one of your hired servants. So it said he came to himself. He came to himself. Another way to think about that is he came to his senses. He came to him his sin. now that, that, that suggests that he was not himself, but now he came back to himself. You see, sin does this to people. It, sin makes people a little crazy. Sin makes people a little insane. Sin makes, the, makes people who they're not. I'm sure that you've known somebody who was stuck in addiction, stuck in sin, and they're just not who they used to be. Sin changes people. And that's exactly what happened to this son. You see, he came to the realization that freedom in the far country, that which he was coveting after, freedom in the far country, pales in comparison to service in the sanctuary. Freedom out there is nothing compared to being right here, sitting at my daddy's feet, where everything I want is here. You see, it's God's goodness, not just man's badness that leads man Back to repentance. It's God's goodness. And he sat there and pondered his father's goodness. Man, if Dad treats his servant so well, I wonder how he'd treat me, his his son. He pondered it. And then he went into a place of repentance. You see, repentance means to change the way you think. Maybe you've been thinking about repentance all wrong. Repentance means to change the way you think. When, when you repent, think about this, your soul is the one repenting, okay? Your soul's repenting. Your soul is made up of three parts, your mind, your will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. When you repent, you are telling your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions to get in line and submit yourself to the authority of God. You're, you're telling your soul, soul, you will not control me you will not rule over me. You will not tell me what to do. You will not lead me into sin any longer. So I command you to get into the authority and submit yourself to Jesus. Your mind, your will, and your emotions. So my question for you today is have you repented? You may have rebelled in a certain area of your life, but in order to, for you to be found by God, you have to repent. You have to come to God. You have to repent before him. You have to change the way you think. You need it, for some of you, you need to change the way you live. You need to change the way you act. You need to change the way you eat. You need to change the way you watch TV. You need to change the way you drive home. You need to change the way that you talk to your kids or your spouse. Repentance is changing the way that you do things. True repentance is taking truly desperate measures. If you really want to be right with God, you really have to repent. Repent. It's time to take desperate measures. You have to start thinking differently. So that's repentance. And the third and final point is this. This was his attitude. He rejoiced. He began to rejoice. And he actually came to the father. Let's read it, verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and we shall eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive. He was lost and he is found. And they began to celebrate. This picture of this uh, earthly dad is a great picture of our heavenly father for those who repent. It's not crazy. Some, I think people, when they're, when they're in sin, they think, I can't come back to church. God's gonna hate me. God's gonna judge me. Well, newsflash, he saw everything that went down. I mean, he's all knowing, right? So he saw everything that went down. So what great of a gesture could you do than to say, God, I'm coming back to you? Uh, that, that was nothing. That was not good enough for me. I'm coming back to you. And this father is a great example of our heavenly father. If you want to know what happens when you repent, if you want to know what happens, to come back to God, here's a great picture. He's going he's to run to you with open arms. Three things that stuck out to me about this father here. First, he ran towards his son. In Jewish culture, the elder man didn't run. So first of all, that was just crazy for this, this elder Jewish man to start running towards his son. And the second thing is this. In Jewish culture, it was an offense worthy of stoning, says Deuteronomy 21. So his, the son's offense was worthy to be stoned. So, so picture this. This Jewish father running towards his sinful son where everybody can see it. First of all, he didn't, Jewish men didn't do that. He's taken off, running after him. And then picture this. This is a strong picture of our heavenly father. He embraced his son and he prepared for the stones to be hurled. He took a posture of protection. It's not just, I love you, son, I'm so glad you're home. It was also an act of protection. Son, the rocks are about to fly and they're gonna hit me first. What a great picture of our heavenly father who took the arrows, took the stones on our behalf on the cross. He he stood up there on the cross in our place for our sin. What a great picture. And the father, in closing here, the father gave four gifts. I wanna highlight these because I love these four gifts. The first one is the robe. He gave him a robe. This was his first and immediate act towards the son. He said, get me a robe. So picture this, the robe, if you look in scripture, the robe uh, means, it symbolizes identity and it's all throughout scripture. You think about Job, the, the robe of many colors, right? Uh, it, it, it's, it's, so he takes the robe and the first thing he does is he embraces his son, puts the robe around him. Now, the robe would have been the nicest robe in the house, which probably meant that it was the father's robe. So he said, get my robe, put it around the son. And he was basically saying, you shall now be identified as me as my own. People should now mistake you for me. That's what he's saying with the robe. The second thing is the ring. The ring was an emblem of position, honor, and wealth. It signified authority. This is a cool thing. So if somebody gave you a ring, you now had the authority of the person who gave it to you. So in the father giving the son the ring, the son now had the same exact authority as the father. That's the second thing. Here's the third thing, the shoes. When a guest would visit a home, now obviously back then they didn't have cars and so they would show up to a house and that's why the washing the feet is so, so prevalent throughout scripture because they'd show up to a house, their feet would be all dirty so they would have a foot washing ceremony. They'd wash their feet and then they could come into the house and so they would be barefoot in someone else's house Except for the owner of the house. The owner of the house would actually keep his shoes on. It was a position of of honor. So picture this the son shows up, dirty feet, no shoes. The dad says, Put shoes on his feet. And so now he's telling the son, Not only am I trying to bring you comfort with these shoes, but I'm saying all of this is yours. The man of the house gets to keep his shoes on. Son, I'm telling you to leave your shoes on. Let me put shoes on your feet. It's a position of honor. And the final thing, this is my favorite, the feast. The feast. The feast was a public gesture. It was a chance for uh, them to throw the biggest party and tell everybody that the son is home. The dad said, get, get the fattened calf. We're gonna kill it and we're gonna feast. Now, the fattened calf, let me tell you a little bit about that. The fattened calf was, was. they probably only had one fattened calf in their, in their herd. Only one. And they would only pull that out about once a year. They would probably grow one once a year and they would feast on it once a year. So the dad said, get the fattened calf and we're gonna feast tonight. This is what I believe. I don't wanna add to scripture, but this is what I believe happened. I believe at the beginning of the story, when the son asked the dad for his inheritance and he left, the dad went out and he bought a calf and he began to feed it and he fed it. And he fed it, knowing that one day his son would return home and he would hold a feast to celebrate the son that was lost and now was found. I believe that's what he did, and they they feasted together. So, what about you today? Are you lost? Are you far from God? Have you walked away from God? I remember when I was same age, 10, 12, it was a rough two years for me, okay? Uh, I, I was kind of going through this phase of going, like, I'm tired of this, I'm leaving, you know? And, and um, I told my dad uh, yeah, I was upset about something, and so I said, Dad, I'm running away, I'm leaving, So I go into my room and I start packing a bag. Like, I mean, like, I think I asked my dad for a bag, you know? I was like, dad, can I borrow your bag? Because I'm gonna run away from home, you know? So I get a bag, I start, I'm like, what do I pack here, you know? I don't, like, so I think I packed, like, a couple pajamas. Like, I I didn't have anything, you know? And I remember specifically, I, I put a stuffed animal in there. Like, that's how young I was, okay? So I put a stuffed animal in there. I didn't have a cell phone, a car, or nothing, you know? So I pull my bag, and I'm like making a big fuss as I'm leaving, I'm leaving, I'm leaving, you can stop me now, I'm leaving, you know, and I'm, I walked out the door, nobody stopped me, and, uh, you know, I, I, so I started walking in the streets uh, for about 20, 25 minutes, okay, and I was like, this isn't as fun as I thought, and I'm gonna come go back home, and, and so I went back home, and I walked in the door, I'm like, I'm home, you know, like, I ran away, I'm back now, and, and um, I, I put my bag down, I remember my dad was just sitting there at, at the counter, and he's like, I thought he might yell at me or something, but he, he said, you wanna talk? Are you hungry? Can I get you anything? And it always stuck out to me because I think for many of us, we think when we run away from God, we're gonna get this harsh judgment, the wrath of God. I don't believe that's the case. I believe God wants to welcome you back with open arms and just say to you, how you doing? Are you okay? Can I get you anything? I believe that for us today, those who are far from the faith, those who have fallen away from God, those who have become a prodigal in areas of your life, for those who have lacked restraint in areas of your life, today is your day to come home. And God is waiting for you. He's ready to put a robe on your back, a ring on your finger, shoes on your feet. And when you ran away, he bought a calf. And he began to feed it and feed it and feed it. And for some of you, that calf is fat. (laughs) It's been a while. And he's ready to feast because that which was lost is now found. Let me pray for you today. I just want you to take a minute and identify that area that you feel like you have become a prodigal in. Maybe it's with your whole life. Maybe it's an area of your life. What's an area or a place that you have found that you are lacking restraint? Just let the Lord speak to you for a minute here. Father, we just take that area of our life that you're speaking to us about, the, the area of life that you wanna bring attention to, and God, we just lay it at your feet. We say that freedom the far country pales in comparison to service here in the sanctuary of God. God, that we just wanna submit to you, that we wanna give our lives to you, and not just our lives to say it, but every area of our life. And if there's an area of our life that is not, Holy and completely submitted to you, God, in this moment, we do so. We submit it to you, and we trust you with our whole lives. Thank you. Thank you that we were lost, and now that we're found. Thank you that you're a loving Father. We thank you for today. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast or if you have any questions you can email us at info@thecreekfw.com. At